Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. We are at the end of our series of following Jesus. Everyone say Amen. 17 weeks of being a walk through the book of John and uh, we are coming towards the close and I've been excited all week for, for today. Um, it's a good thing that your pastor gets excited about coming to church, um, but hopefully you guys get the same excitement too when you walk into the house of God. We get to worship His name, to praise His name, to dive into His Word and be able to explore more of Him and be transformed from the inside out. And I pray that today we'll have a, cha- a champion time, a wonderful time where we can indeed leave those doors that you walked in today transformed, renewed and refreshed and ready to go into our weeks. And I'm excited for many, many different reasons. And uh, I'm excited for that we as a church are championing our youth camp coming up. And uh, next, let me know that we've got close to a dozen sponsorships, I think, maybe even a couple more than that. What's that? 21 sponsorships. I mean, I was like selling that short. 21 sponsorships, and I'm so excited that we are a church that gets behind these kind of things. And it's 21 young lives that are going to have a chance to go to camp that may not have already had that chance. And if you're a parent here with youth-aged children, I champion you to the idea of sending your kid away in youth camp. It'll be a fantastic time. So we have youth camp coming up. We've got small groups kicking off in a few weeks' time. We've got home Sunday next week. And I can encourage you, if you're going to come to one service which hopefully you're going to come to lots of services, but if you're going to come to one service, come next week because uh, Ali and I, we're going to share a bit more into our vision, into more of, of, of our values, of our, our DNA of who we are called to be. And especially if you're sort of been coming along for the last few months, you might not have had a chance to be able to hear about some of those things. And so it'll be a great morning. I think we're going to have some bacon and egg rolls afterwards. We're going to have some fun things for the kids planned. And it's going to be a great morning to be in the house of God next week. And so put that in your diaries, as if you should have to put that in diaries anyway. I'm sure uh, Sunday mornings is church anyway for most of you guys, if not all of you guys. But if not, we'd love to see you guys there. But as I said beforehand, we are coming towards the end of our series. And today I'm actually particularly excited about the fact that I'm actually going to be sharing just for a short period of time. We're going to hear from three other people today and about some of their story and about their testimony of following Jesus. And uh, I wanted to be able to treat today a bit of a wrap-up, a bit of a conclusion. Um, and I thought, what better way to actually hear the lives of people that have been transformed by Jesus and have a commitment to be able to follow after Him. And that's my prayer, that every single person here who's a believer, is not just a believer, understands who Jesus is, but is a follower of Christ. You see, our world today needs followers. And I think that the Bible's quite clear in the sense where it talks about in the New Testament that the word Christian only appears three different times. And in fact, those three different times is actually often in negative times. <laughs> it's actually people complaining about the Christians. And uh, we see that a little bit in our world sometimes these days. But it shares about this idea that for 258 different times, it speaks to the idea of a follower, of a disciple, of an apprentice. And I think the Bible's telling us here something that, yes, we have called to believe in Him, but we're also called to follow after Him wholeheartedly. And our, our hope in this series that we've been able to walk through of following Jesus is that we will have people living out the conviction of what it means to follow Him. 
And our, our, our vision starts with this thought of follow Jesus, become like Jesus and go and do what Jesus did. And we can only do what Jesus did, we can only become like Jesus if we actually make this commitment to follow after Him. And so that, um, it's been my, my joy to be able to walk through uh, the book of John with you guys uh, over these last of 17 or so weeks. But if you do have your Bibles here today, why don't you flick to uh, John chapter 20, verses 31. And um, we're going to just go through a couple of verses here again before we hear the, some other voices here today. And I'm going to start in chapter 31. And, and what John's actually doing here, he's actually outlining the purpose of why he wrote this book. He's wanting to explain to people, these are the reasons why I've written this book. And he says, starts with these words here. But these are written, and what are these? These are all these, he's talking about the, the miracles. He's talking about the signs. He's talking about the wonders. He's talking about the ministry of Jesus. He's talking about how he walked the earth and did all the things that he did do. He's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about how um, their lives have been transformed. He's talking about um, all the, the I am statements. He's talking about um, all these things. He says, these things have been written so that you, he's talking about you and I here, church. He's talking about the Nick Diamonds. He's talking about the Bardies, who, by the way, led worship brilliantly this morning. Well done, Bardie. Um, and Brookie, where's Brookie again? Taking that, that worship moment after, after welcoming. Outstanding. He's talking, about, he's talking about all of us here. He's talking about you and I. He says, you may continue to believe, he says. To continue to believe. He's talking to the believers here. He's wanting to stir up faith. He's wanting to stir up the belief of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. He's not just any other man that walked the earth, not just a good guy, not just a carpenter's son, not just a man that did one or two good things. No, no, he's talking about that you make believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is the Son of God, that He is indeed who John the Baptist says, that He is the Lamb of God. He's the promised one that will come and be the Saviour and set the course of the world for eternity. That He's the Son of God. And that, he, that by believing in Him, you will, I love this, will have life. Not just exist, not just take up breath, and steal someone else's oxygen, but you indeed have life. John 10, 10 says, and have life to its fullest. I'm praying that we'll be a church that indeed lives this way, that we understand that by the power of Jesus, we have life. And there's an expression of that in us. It says, have life by the power of His name. You know, we started in John 1, and Jesus has this beautiful invitation. And if you can remember this, He invites those to come and to follow Him. He invites the disciples one by one. In fact, actually, other disciples invited other people. That's another prayer that I have in our church, that will indeed be an inviting church. I'm praying for testimonies to come of, hey, I came because my friend invited me, my neighbour invited me, my work colleague invited me, my, 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 my friend in my class at school invited me. And we see this over and over again. This is how the early church started off, of people inviting one another to come and meet Jesus and to come and follow after Jesus. And so he has this beautiful invitation in John 1, to come and follow me. And we see the starting of the early church of what we now know it as today has been. That happens in John 1. If we look at the other end of the, of the chapter, in John 21, which is where we're going to close here today, we see Jesus with the very same instruction, the very same invitation to come and follow me. You see, what happens in this particular um, story is that Jesus is having a conversation around a campfire. He's actually just seen and helps the disciples catch a whole bunch of fish. 
and he's grabbed some of the fish and he's made a little barbecue. He's sitting down with his disciples and he actually has a moment particularly with Peter. Peter, like we said last week, he was the guy that was feeling a bit like a failure at this time. He was the guy that denied Jesus three times, only a few days beforehand. He was the guy who actually felt like he was actually separated from the disciples. And he has this moment with Jesus, and I love this is who Jesus is. He goes and pursues Peter, and he pursues us here today. There's a pursuit of your soul, of your spirit, of your life that Jesus has for every single one of us here today. And he has this moment with Peter where he asks his question three times, do you love me? Do you love me? I think it's important it's three times because just as Peter denied Jesus three times, he then reinstates him three times when Peter has his declaration. And more than an answer, more than a response, it actually becomes a declaration in Peter's life that transforms and sets him up for, to be indeed the rock that he would go and build the church on. You see, he asks the question three times, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, I do, Lord. And there's a transformation that takes place and there's a redemption that takes place. There's a moment that, that it happens between Peter and, 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 and uh, Jesus during this time because then Jesus actually then goes and says something very interesting. He says, I know that you love me. He then goes and says that, in fact, I know you love me so much and that you're gonna stand on this, that you'll actually not deny me again. You'll end up becoming a martyr for me. He actually goes and explains the fact that Peter will go and die the very similar kind of death that, that Jesus did. And history would tell us that he actually went and, went and died a death on the cross as well. In fact, Peter actually then says, I, I, I'm not worthy enough to die the same kind of death as what Jesus did. He actually got crucified upside down. And we see Peter have this moment where the revelation of his love for Jesus, his fellowship of Jesus, commitment to Jesus so strong that he wants to even go to the place where it actually cost him his life. And what we then see is there's a question and, and then you can imagine the brothers around together, they're having their sort of breakfast and they're having their time of fish to, and, 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 and time together. And Peter then asks an interesting question at the end of uh, John 21. He says, Peter asked Jesus in verse 21, what about him, Lord? And so Jesus has just spoken to him and said, this is kind of how you're actually going to, you're going to die a death that's standing for me. He's, he's like, you're, there's going to be a cost to what you do now. We live in a world today that doesn't necessarily want to pay the cost of our faith. My hope, my prayer is that we'll indeed be, be ready. And I think there's times coming where we're going to have to be prepared to pay the cost. And what happens here is that um, Peter's been sort of defined about how, what the cost for him will be. And Peter asks this question, hey, what about him, Lord? <laughs> you just told me how I'm going to die. Now, how, he's actually pointing towards John. And this is the disciple that Jesus loved. He was the guy that talked about himself in the third person. This is the guy that was a really fast runner, apparently, and got to the team really fast. And this is the guy that, you know, has this moment where Peter points out, hey, what about him? You've told me what my fate is. What about him? And I love Jesus' response here. Okay, this is one sometimes you can sort of understand some of the humour or some of the, like, the moments that Jesus is like, come on, guys, seriously, like, am I, do I need to have this explained to you? But he says, Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return... What is that to you? <laughs> I like that kind of moment. It's like a, like a fatherly kind of moment. It says, mind your own business. You know, just, just focus on what's important right now. Don't worry about him. I'm setting you apart right now. I'm setting you up right now. And he basically says, stop getting distracted and find yourself actually focusing on the main thing. He says, what is it to you? And then he says this instruction. Instruction that's for him, but for all of us here today as well. Says, as for you, I want you to follow me. Would you follow me? Would you follow me? 
want you to follow me in the easy times. I want you to follow me in the hard times. I want you to follow me on Sunday mornings when it's easy to raise your hands. Actually, I had a moment where I was worshiping with Ollie and uh, he put his hand up and I thought, what a Pentecostal kid, hey? And he's just pointing at, point at the lights. That's all he's doing, he's pointing at the lights. I'm like, oh, I'll claim it, I'll claim it, it's all right. Worship on Sunday mornings, worship during the week. Worship when the world says it's good. Worship when the world, follow me when it's not so good. Our heart and our prayer is that we'll be followers of Jesus. Jesus came more than just to convert people to Christianity. He calls them to be disciples. He calls them to be followers of Him. He calls them to be apprentices to Him. And my prayer is that we won't just come and do this thing on a, for a happy hour on a Sunday morning, but rather that our whole life will be following with the mindset of, I want to be able to follow after my Lord, my Saviour, Jesus Christ, the one that went to the cross for me, the one that redeems me and saves me, my King of Kings, my Lord of Lords here today. And that's it. That's my preaching today. You think, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Come and follow Him. Be followers of Him. I, I, we've gone through the last 17 or so weeks of going through this book of John. We've only just touched the edges. My prayer and my hope for you guys is that you can dive into the Word of God, find yourself rooted in the Word of God, find yourself in having the revelation of the Word of God come live in you. Before we do anything else, I, want to, I just want to pray for you. And, so, and as I pray, um, pray with this thought that that as I say these words, it becomes a commitment in your home, in your hearts, for your marriage, for your kids, for, for any individual here. This becomes something that you pre-commit to wanting to walk out. This idea of following Jesus. So Father God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that Lord Father, you sent your one and only son Jesus to die on the cross for us. God, we glorify you here today. God, as we sang the song here today, Lord, we are in awe of you. We lift up your name here in this place. God, you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the centre of our church, the centre of our families, the centre of our marriages, the centre of everything we do, Lord God. And God, we pre-commit to this, to, to responding to this beautiful invitation that's for every single person to come and follow after me. God, may we be a church that indeed follows you, becomes like you and does what you did. God, help us, we pray. And I pray that actually for the Holy Spirit, our advocate, our helper. God, help us, just as John outlines here, to continue to believe in the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Son of God. Go before us, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. These three, uh, again, they didn't know about that at all, so they're probably dying a thousand deaths right now. They're probably like, this is the last time we're ever doing this, Dan. Come on down. Awesome. We... um. We've got the joy of having the, these guys on, on stage here today. Again, the, the thought around this is to actually just hear some story um, around uh, following Jesus. And it's less of a panel and it's more of a moment where we can just hear a testimony. And uh, we're actually going to start with Marcus um, here in the, in the middle. And um, Marcus, how, how long have you been a part of that church for? Um, not, not that long, to be honest. Less than five years. I think I started coming towards the... The end of 2018, yeah, um, and started coming regularly around 2019. So, what's that? Three years. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, Marcus is um, he's a follower of Jesus. He's someone that is sold out for Jesus, and uh, he 
I believe, found salvation here in the church. He'd been baptised and um, just a great story in our church. And he's one of our amazing youth leaders right now and doing a great job. He's actually, um, yeah, put your hands together for for, for Marcus there. He's actually, uh, he's doing a bit of Bible college right now and he's he's set aside a couple of days a week. Um, He's been helping out um, around the place as well and just... Uh, just doing, doing some fantastic things. And uh, Marcus, we want to sort of focus on this idea of the, of the beginning point or the, the early days of following Jesus, um, some of what's happened in your own life and what it means to be a follower of Jesus um, yeah. right now. So why don't, you, why don't you share a bit of story? Yeah, for sure. So um, I grew up in, um, in, a, in a Filipino household. I don't know if there's any Filipinos in the crowd. I'm probably the only, the only Filipino here. Um, but we, um, or the Filipinos in general, um, are a Catholic, Roman Catholic-based kind of culture. Um, so I grew up in a Roman Catholic uh, family. Um, two of my uncles were Catholic priests. Uh, one still is at the moment. Um, so I grew around, uh, grew up around church, um, and I, we we learned about and knew about Jesus, but we never got to really learn about. Um, what it means to have a relationship with him and what it means to disciple and apprentice under Jesus. So you had this like head knowledge, yeah, but not necessarily a, a relationship or that sort of heart. That's right, yeah. yeah. And it's a process of um, uh, getting that knowledge from your head to your heart and that becoming a revelation to you um, and learning about uh, what Jesus really is. Um, yeah, so I grew up as I said, in a, in a Catholic home, we knew about that stuff, went to Catholic school, um, did 13 years of um, Catholic school as well. Um, so yeah, I learned about so many things, but never got to um, understand what it really meant to be, to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and uh, um, uh, I got invited to See Through New Hope in 2018. Um, I attended Who for invited a couple of days. You? Sorry? Who invited you? Oh, a friend, a friend, oh, a friend. friend. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, I got, I got invited and um, didn't really know too much about it. Um, one of my cousins actually attends a, another Pentecostal church in, um, in Inspire down at Liverpool Way. And um, I knew about it. I attended Easter services. I was like, okay, cool. It's the happy, clappy church that... Um, that has lots of guilty. Things. We're yeah. all guilty of that, right? <laughs> well, it comes around and bites you in the backside because now I'm one of those people, That's and, right. and I love it. I love every every second of it, you know. Um, yeah, so I got invited to church and um, slowly worked my way into youth ministry kind of thing. Um, and I'd, I'd never attended youth ministry before, but I just found a heart for for young people, and I found um, that I I wanted to share my experiences and my testimonies with them, so they wouldn't have to go through the same struggles and uh, same things that I went through as a young person. Right. Yeah, so I, I, had, um, I had a couple of difficulties growing up um, with, um, with my, uh, my mother actually going through cancer at a, at a young age when, uh, when I was young. Um, that went on for a couple of years and then um, as a result of a couple of things, I experienced a, like a family breakdown uh, with my parents and with my own personal family. Um, so there was a lot of struggle there, a lot of hurt, a lot of, um, a lot of brokenness that, that occurred in, in my heart um, with, with nowhere to go. Um, and that, that led me to look to other places, um, led me to look to relationships, to um, fr- unhealthy friendships um, that caused me to do things that I regret, um, but has led to um, allowing me to share those things um, to helpfully lead other young people to Jesus. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that's, uh, you know, your openness and transparencies is important because, you know, for a long time in the church we haven't, you know, real talk isn't always done. So I think that's important that you, you open your heart. Yeah, really. I think it will help people. As you've sort of like sort of become a part of the church and understood what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. What's that meant for, you said, some of your friendships and relationships and so forth? Yep. Uh, what's that meant with some of your other circles of friends and other areas of life? Um, has there been changes? Has there been, there, has been there challenges there? What's, what's that look like? Yeah, 100%. Well, first of all, um, following, following Jesus for me is, um, first and foremost, it's a sacrifice, right? Um, it's constantly laying down your own agenda and picking up um, God's agenda, Jesus' agenda, and what, what Jesus wants to do in your life. So I constantly have to um, check myself, check my lifestyle, check what I'm doing um, every single day to make sure that I'm aligning my heart and my actions with, um, and my words with the Word of God and not with anything else. Awesome. So, yeah, it's constantly um, reassessing what, what I'm doing in my life. So, for example... Um, well, we, we had a chat with our um, senior high group on Friday about a topic around alcohol. Um, and we, we had to discuss and uh, uh, research about what um, God says about alcohol and what the Bible says about alcohol. Um, it, it's, just, it's just things that, um, it's not an overnight thing. Um, it's something where you have to, every single day, go, uh, go to the foot of the cross and say, God, um, there, there are some things in my life where um, I don't, um, I don't, I don't feel a, a right, or don't, I feel like convictions about, um, and it's constantly going to the cross and saying, oh "God, I want you to help me. Um, I want to lay down my my heart, my agenda, and I want to pick up my cross and follow you and do what you say." I love that. Awesome, awesome. Um, thanks, Marcus. We'll put our hands together for Marcus. That's that's cool. You're. Uh, I'm praying for for dozens more Marcuses in, in, in our church that. Um, has their eyes open to the love of Jesus and who has his call and his conviction to be able to follow after him. Um, you're a good man, Marcus. Uh, Mel, um, slightly on the other end of the spectrum, you've been around for a while, uh, not for too long. Uh, you've, been, you've, been, you've been around for a little while and um, you are a much loved. Um, you are someone who, someone who inspires me in my walk with Jesus and someone that I love greatly. And uh, for me, when I was thinking about who could we ask to, to come up, because I want to ask Mel and Chris a question remaining a follower of Jesus. And uh, obviously we heard from Marcus in his earlier days. Um, I think we also need, and even as John was saying, to continue as a believer. Um, so Mel, what's, what's been some of your story around remaining a follower of Jesus? I think, um, you know, remaining is, is really about staying. It's um, one of the beautiful things about finding Christ is, you know, like you see all over Marcus, your passion, and it's such a beautiful thing. Um, and being open, and I think that's where it all starts. But um, I think, you know, as you go through your 20s and your 30s and after that, I think, I think you see some stuff, don't you? You see what, some stuff. What's after your 30s? I'm not too sure uh, yet. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, anyway, you I'm know, not I'm just like, thank the Lord black don't crack. That's all I'm saying, you know. Really? There you go, right? So, um, anyway, sorry, I'll just get back on track. But, um, but uh, you know, like, you see some stuff in life and honestly, it, it can really soil you. I mean, literally, in metaphor, like, it really can. And um, 
And I think it's a, it's a real reality check when you lose sight of that passion from your youth. And um, I've always said to God, keep me, keep me dwelling, firmly attached, grafted to you. And um, you know, one thing that's never changed is um, because when I, how old are you, Marcus? 21. 21. Oh, wow. Look at you. He's got it together. I was an idiot when I was 21. But, um, you know, like that passion, that incredible passion, that's when God puts everything in you. And it's not to say that it's there and then after that it's gone. That's the foundation. And then, you know, year after year, God builds on that foundation. And for a long time, you actually draw on the reservoir of what God put in you. But in saying that's also your responsibility to grow yourself. You know, when there's nobody there to encourage you, you got to encourage yourself. And no one there to pray for you, you got to pray for yourself and pray yourself. So I think in remaining, it's like I have a responsibility to keep growing, to keep building, to keep strengthening my faith. And, um, and, and I think that's made me stronger, you know, and, um, you know, and then actually what pre-qualifies you for the stuff that's ahead, Marcus just saying, so you know, is the stuff you walk through. Like that is, you know, that pre-qualifies you for what comes ahead. Yes. And, um, you know, uh, actually last year in my family, we had, um, you know, probably... The deepest in prayer and fasting, I've got to be honest, I've ever been. And um, I know I've spoken to Suzanne and Jamal about this. And um, it's when my, my dad, he went to hospital, had an infection. The ambulance came to take him away. And it was just an infection. It was on like a Saturday afternoon, right? And, um, and you know, he hasn't been the best of health. But, you know, we, my family, we stay in faith. We stay believing. And um, so... He went and then, like, he just, he just suddenly was quite nonverbal, out of nowhere, couldn't communicate. And um, anyway, he went to the hospital. They put him on a drip, did what they did. And then the next day, um, he, we spoke to him on the phone. So much better. So much better. And that was the Sunday. And we spoke to him on the Monday. He was like, I feel fine. I don't know why they won't let me go home. And uh, we went, yeah, you, you're, like, just so much better. And um, then... That was on the Monday. On the Wednesday, we got a call from the hospital saying that, um, that he was a close contact and that um, he, they tested him close contact, obviously, for COVID, and um, they tested him several times and he was negative. But they were going to test him on Monday, but they said, well, we tested him yesterday and it was positive. And... Um, and, you know, this was like the beginning of the alpha wave, you know. Um, it was a really scary time. And um, I'm going to make a long story really short. But, um, you know, I tell you what, and he was fine for three days. And, in fact, you know, we came to realise that at the hospital they have this kind of escalation, like the worse you get, you go up a level and they move you up a level. And um, for three days, he was fine, perfectly fine. And he just had a light cough, not a problem at all. But then on the third day, things turned like, that got quite drastic. And um, 
he was uh, escalated to a higher level. And by that stage, we're on about day three or four, uh, things got very, very bad, very bad. So much so that um, they, firstly, the the one night, um, the hospital called my mum and um, basically he wasn't breathing and it was a call home to say, it's like two in the morning. You know, no call two in the morning is ever cool, just saying, right? And um, two in the morning and basically I was saying, you can't breathe, talk to him and, you know, you, this, you need to say goodbye. And, uh, you know, my parents have been married over 50 years to, to hear a life reduced to a phone call. That's, that's, that, that was really hard. Um, then, uh, so we hadn't seen him and... Um, he was just out of it, really, really out of it. And uh, obviously it was progressing. It had moved to from the upper lungs to the lower lungs, which we, we knew was really bad. And um, actually at this time, at the, you know, you're getting calls pretty much every day and it was bad news. It was all bad news. And, uh, you know, God gave me a word and, um, and that's it. You know, over time you come to trust God's word to hang on to it and um, he gave me two words within a week and I'll tell you what they were Uh, the first was Proverbs 16.33 in the message it says make your motions cast your votes God has the final say and every day I'd hear what the doctor said Uh, look and in the natural it, it didn't look good because what happened was you know that night, they said, have all the family together and we were saying goodbye on an iPad. And, and I know thousands of people all around the world were doing that and that was just absolutely traumatising. Mm. But I said, God, no, I'm not going to say goodbye on an iPad. Mm. And he gave me that word and God has the final say. And right. they'd say, oh, there's this and it's unlikely. Um, and, you know, so on Monday night, we said goodbye on an iPad. So reducing a whole life of a relationship with a parent through an iPad. And, but I was convinced in my spirit that God had the final say. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, it wasn't like I was hoping this. I was believing it. I was just fully persuaded, mm-hmm. absolutely convinced that God had the final say. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the next night, things got worse again, but he hung on through that. The next night, they put the iPad and he wasn't really communicating and, you know, we said goodbye again. I was like, how many times do you need? And even at the end of the week, we must say goodbye like four times. And my mum said, I'm so tired of saying goodbye. <laughs> but, uh, but, but you know what I mean? Like, it's quite emotionally. It's like this roller coaster. And through all this, you know, then the... I got this word, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. And I went, yes, God, I trust in you. And it's like, it was a lesson through all of that. Um, Hang on. There's going to be so many reasons for you to let go. But make that pre-commitment. No matter what happens, I'm committed to you. I'm committed to being a follower of Christ. And there's nothing that's going to separate me from your love. Absolutely nothing. And uh, anyway, we didn't hear the story till the end. But because I don't tell you, like, they don't want to scare you. But then 
at the end they tell us, well, when he came out, he came out, went to a regular ward, that apparently he almost died four times. And, uh, you know, and we just encouraged him as we got the iPad, we prayed over him. And then the doctor told us his whole ward, none of them survived. People half his age with no underlying health conditions. And he said, I don't, he was there 45 days. I don't know how you survived, but how good is God that he is Amen. amazing. So good. Now, Mel's a example for me of a, of a John 15, someone who's willing to abide in him. And again, for us as a church, for us to abide in him. And the promise is that as we, as we do that, as we plan ourselves, as we remain in him, that's then when fruit will come. And some of us are always interested in the fruit, but not as necessarily interested in the abiding. Um, that's abiding him and in his word. And there's fruit produced. Um, I love that story, Mel, um, and the, the testimony of going to things like prayer and fasting and trusting in Him. Um, it's spectacular. Um, put our hands together for Mel. Thanks, Mel. Um, my good friend Zan. Um, she is a legend, and um, and she has a, a story and a testimony, um, and it's a story and testimony in the making. And uh, so often, it's easy to tell our story on the other side. Um, and I often tell people, don't tell your story too soon because God's always working, he's always moving. Um, and I'm believing that um, for Zan and, and her family right now. Um, mum of two boys and wife to Jamo up there, back there somewhere. Um, here he is, looking good up the back there. And um, Zan, what, what's, I guess I wanted to ask Zan around this idea of sharing, following Jesus uh, through all seasons of life and including the storms. And I want to be able to maybe hear a bit of your story and, some of you guys would know Zan's story, um, some not. So why don't, you, why don't you share a bit what's going on in the last year or two? So for those of you that don't know Jamo and I, we've um, been married for 11 years this year. Um, we've, been, <laughs> we've been lucky enough to both have uh, grown up in very, very strong Christian families. So that has also helped with this situation in our lives. Um, um, February last year, Jamo got unwell, um, just with blurred vision, couldn't see properly, um, was off work for three weeks and me, the annoying fixer I am, dragged him around to every doctor and optometrist and dentist and person I could find just to say there's something wrong with him, I can't figure it out. Um, so he was, we were very surprised to find out that he had a very large brain tumour um, which he was admitted straight to hospital and had it resected within a um, number of days. Um, the type of brain tumour that he had was what they call a grade four cancer, which is for the brain, um, the prognosis is to only survive 12 to 18 months and there's pretty much no two ways about it with this sort of cancer. Um, it's a very aggressive, your brain's a very delicate, tricky place to sort of, it can't get too swollen, it can't get too much pressure on it, it can't get too much of, it can't get touched too many times. So um, yeah, we were sort of smacked in the face with like our mortality, I guess. So all of a sudden we went from blurry vision to me looking, Googling up what, how bad was a glioma and realising you might die in 12 to 18 months and sort of really like shocked us and rocked us to the core. Um, I 
I guess at that point in time, sort of, you sort of realise that um, life is just a vapour. Like, you've got a huge decision to make and everything seems fine and you can sort of just plod along, I guess, in life until all of a sudden we were hit with the reality of we might not have that much time left. Like, yes, we have to trust God, but all of a sudden I think... Um, our eternity and our salvation just really became so, I don't know, in your face, a decision. And I feel like it's a decision that you really have to make every day, like despite the situation, despite the circumstances, um, trials will either make or break you. Um, And like, it's not been easy. We have been so blessed to be surrounded by good church family, our own families, our um, friends, both Christian and non-Christian, to be honest. But again, I've always felt like um, God sort of, I felt like this is our time to show God through how we handle this situation, how we carry ourselves, how we continue to follow God. Like at no point during this journey have Jamo and I went, right, God, why would you do this to us? Um, why would you give him such a terrible diagnosis? We've had um, one hiccup after the other, give him this and he has a side effect from this and that. Like, it's just been, we still, like, we still have challenges every single day. Like, we are still fighting this. And, but none of it, I never feel like God has forgotten us. I never feel like we are alone. I have felt, at times where I've felt the darkest and the most like I think that's it. Things are the worst they could possibly get. I don't know how we can get out of this situation. I felt like God sort of said to me, stop trying to fix the situation and give it to me. And I am a fixer. I am a nurse. So my job is to make you feel better. And that is what I go out to do. They told me we can't fix your husband. I was like, right, well, I'm going to fix him if you can't. So challenge accepted. But I felt like through that, that puts a lot of pressure on what if I pick the wrong thing? What if I make the wrong decision? What if I felt a lot of guilt over the time because I've had to make a lot of huge decisions? So during it all, like there's, there was a time where I just said to God, like, what if I pick the wrong thing? What if I choose the wrong thing? How are we going to get through this? And God just said, stop trying to fix it. You need to give it to me. Like, You need to stop trying to do everything in your own strength and actually like rely on me and trust in me. And as soon as I was like, ah, peace. And I was like, I couldn't explain it, but I had peace. And I thought I will still do things. Like I trust in God to just guide us and steer us in the right direction. But ultimately it's up to God. And from all of it, all I want people to see, our kids, our friends, our family, particularly like I've, There's people who have been around us and I know they sort of must, they look at us and think like, how can you still follow God like through this time? And I just think I'm I'm only doing it for God. I'm doing it for Jesus to go, like I'm hanging on with everything that we've got to go that Jesus got us through that day and He got us through that day and He got us through like there in hindsight, looking back, it every time there was, Um, like we've had so many issues with swelling. We've had two surgeries. We've had kidney failure. We've had um, lots of trouble with memory, trouble with legs giving way, trouble with so many things. But as I look back, you know that 
I don't know if it's the poem where the footprints in the sand, and that's what I feel like. I look back at those times and there's only one set of footprints in the sand. So I really feel that God has our family, like we have so much favour. We have been blessed. I know that it's just, it's some people think like, how can you say that when you're in such a tough situation? But God is so good to us. He's put so many people in our lives. Like, as I said, as I look back at things, I think, oh my goodness, I can't believe that person was there for that. And I wasn't like when we've had MRIs, like some of them, I don't know how I got him into the hospital by myself, but I'd have someone was able to be with me, a colleague or just the MRI person was someone I happened to know for 16 years. And just every time we've had an MRI, it's been the same guy who I've known for so long would come out and just, I know that it's God setting each and every step up. And I know that it's also that it can, we can tell it for His glory so that it's all... Um, yeah, a testimony to what God has done for us. Spectacular. It's just the stories, they're so powerful. And we're believing for a testimony in the making uh, here this morning. And, um, and as we sort of, I guess, close this little moment here, um, I hope and pray that you know, every single one of us has a story. And every single one of us have, well, I pray we'll have to tell a story of God's goodness and uh, what it means to be a follower, a follower of Him, and so I want to thank you, thank you, three of you guys for, for being brave and showing you, showing courage and sharing your story, and uh, you guys are an inspiration. We give a round of applause one more time just for these guys here. Um, yeah. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.